That's your decision now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Don, what's up? What's going on, man? Hang on. Good to be here. Good to, good to have you on the show. A little clink. Yeah, a little clink. I, you know, I was just giving you a hard time about, like, this is like the worst <laughs> merchandising opportunity in the world. Like, I, I want to get some... Crayons and just mm-hmm. write, you know, BRCC on my my paper cup, but but the coffee is phenomenal. Mm, man, it is good. Like that is like, um, actually, that's one of my more favorite cups. I'm not a. I've been drinking light coffees forever, mm-hmm. and every now and again, I'll pop a dark coffee in the exclusive coffee subscription, and I've been drinking it for the last several days because it just came out, yeah. and I'm fairly in love with it. Well, you know, I've learned a lot about coffee. From you and I, I actually didn't start drinking coffee till like five years ago, six Seriously? years ago. Yeah, like I actually growing up, you know, and my mom's Eastern European. Like I yeah. could eat anything. Like we organ meat, no problem. I did not like coffee, and I did not like celery. Literally, the only two things I couldn't eat. So like I couldn't eat coffee. Now? I just couldn't. No, uh-huh. still celery is now the only one. Right, and it was weird on the campaign trail in like fifteen and sixteen. I do drink more caffeine than any human being right. alive, like enough to kill a horse, like yeah, yeah. 1,500 milligrams a day kind of thing. Like it's, it, it feels good. You know, whatever it is, it's like, I, now I can do that and I can pound an energy drink and go to sleep. Like it's, yeah. you know, it, I probably got to wean off of it. So I actually get some effect, but now it's just like almost like a mental crutch. But on the trail, you know, no one, the, the only thing that was always present that had caffeine was coffee. And so I started almost the first couple of times, like reluctantly, like just, and literally whatever it was clicked in my brain and was like, yep, good. And I've been drinking again, way too much probably ever since. I've been drinking it since I was like 12. Yeah. Right. So I've just grown up around it. It's always strange for me, especially in Utah. I always run, run into people that are like, oh, I don't drink coffee. And obviously because of the LDS. Yeah. population here. They don't drink coffee. But it's always weird for me to find those people that don't drink coffee. I'm always like, why? Why do you not drink it? It's super <laughs> interested. Yeah. Like, I don't like it. I don't like the taste. I'm like, that's crazy. It tastes amazing. Yeah, well, I, I, I was that guy. And I like, I, I don't know many people that sort of discovered it later. It's like, you know, like some of my kids oh, love yeah. it early and then some, you know, don't like it at all. And, uh, but yeah, no, I figured it out later, but like hanging out with you guys, I've seen just you know, the full nerd effect of how far you can go down the rabbit hole. And it's, it's actually pretty impressive, but I'll say this as like the guy that was like drinking crappy coffee and like, you know, the back of some stage somewhere, you know, having you do the full thing when you do, you know, weighing every, it's like you taste it. You're like, Oh wow. There really is a difference. It's not all the same. It's not just a, like a caffeine delivery system. Like I, I appreciate it so much more having seen that. And now even at home by myself, Right. Not often, you know, but like on the weekends or something like that, when I know I'm not rushing somewhere, I'm taking the time to actually do it right. And it makes a big difference. I sit down there and like, I actually enjoy it that way. You know, I've learned how to make it on the road too. I think I, think I was telling you in the year, in the, in the Trump down in Vegas, mm-hmm. I was making coffee out of a pour over. Jamie? Oh, thank sure. you. Well, let's see. see. Okay. Branding opportunity. Branding opportunity. Well, I mean, that's honestly, like, you know. <laughs> I like subtle like branding the, opportunities. Yeah, I'm that's a Trump. Like. We don't do subtle branding opportunities. I'm like, I don't even understand. Like, what, what, like, why would you do that to yourself? I mean, that's bullshit. Like, okay, like, fine, it's fine. Hilarious. Uh, I'm going to go along with this. It's my favorite, you know. it's my favorite mug. So I designed this mug. 
I was like my favorite mug. So years ago, this was like six, seven years ago, volume, clarity. So when I look at like what makes a great mug, it's like size obviously matters, but it's color too, because I can see from a, a lighter cup, I can see down through the edge and I can see if it's a dark or light roasted coffee. It's got this little thumb thing. Yeah, I, I, I like the, it's like, and yeah. It's, it's, it's a grip. Yeah, it's the perfect <laughs> yeah. mug. Yeah. designed it years ago. It feels like your handgun that you did the custom striations on it. You know what I mean? It just, ooh. Yeah. I love this mug and I'm like not missing a branding opportunity. I designed it years ago with this, with one of my buddies' mom. She was a, um, a master, uh, ceramicist or whatever mm-hmm. the heck they're called. And they're like, she's, she threw this thing and it was called the handmade mug. And shout out to Rory. Cause he was, uh, is a great guy. He's a helicopter pilot here locally. And his mom made these mugs and they're oh, fucking cool. awesome. And so it was called the Judy mug or the handmade mug or whatever the heck we were calling it. And we spent months trying to unfuck what I thought was like the perfect mug. And then that's what we came up with. And then finally I've got, got it back. They've been out of stock for years because I haven't been able to find the right person to make it. So I just yeah. like, nah, yeah, let's move on. Very nice. Man, it was, it was, uh, it was good to hang out yesterday. Yeah. I had a, I had a great time. Yeah. Okay. Hey, dude, I love the, I love the operation here. Just like the workplace environment. So you know, it's so different from like so many places where I come from, like the desk job side of stuff. Like oh, there's yeah. like, you guys have figured out like that great, like work-life balance, even at work, it seems, you know what I mean? Like everyone's having a good time. It's a chill, relaxed environment. You have the archery range and like <laughs> the knife forge. I'm like, what? Like, you know, like, it's, yeah. I was like, man, I needed that. Like at, at Trump org in New York back in the day, it was like, <laughs> it was just a little different, but like you've evolved and you know, uh, what can be, yeah. uh, you know, these days at a company. So was, yeah, I thought it was really cool. People always like, they come here and they're blown away because we've got Grizzly Forge, which is Lucas. Yeah. He's here on premise and he's making knives. Then we got a gym. We've got an archery range. We've got a full-time Bowtack, which is uh, Isaac Jr. and Isaac Sr., which they worked for like Easton and Hoyt for yeah. a long period of time. And they're always kind of like blown away by the fact, one, we, we make a bunch of shit. Like we print all of our own shirts yes. and we roast coffee. That's we're, what we're surprised me the most actually, right? Because yeah. I mean, these days you get so jaded, you know, so many guns out there, it's literally a marketing operation yeah. with everything else subbed out, right? OEM this, it's all like, you know, like this is where we print and sell, you know, half a million shirts. I'm like, what? You, you, yeah. do, you do that here? You're actually making something? Uh, you're roasting your own coffee? Like, and I've known you for, I mean, I, I yeah, I like uh, seven, six, seven years. My coffee journey yeah. basically started about the same time. Like that's around that time I started even drinking coffee and you guys were just at one of the little shows somewhere and yeah. we started hanging out a little bit. And so, you know, but even still, even knowing you, it's like, you still sort of assume these days, like no one makes anything yeah. in America anymore. Like, right. unfortunately, right? We talk about sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, the reason the Trump hat was like the trucker hat and is because it was literally the only hat company in America that did like a brimmed hat and you couldn't oh, yeah. do it. And we weren't going to, you know, sub that out to China. Other people, you know, knock it off. And it was like, okay, free advertising. We're not going to necessarily go after their IP. Right. You right. know, but like, you know, when we were the, the ones that were official, it was one company in America that did it. So you get so jaded just assuming that it almost can't be done. So watching you guys do that, I, honestly, I think you almost have to tell that story more because if I didn't know it, I imagine most don't. 
and, Nobody, and seeing it here and just watching it through the process, it's pretty amazing. And it's awesome to see. Like, we need more of that. We do. And I think like, I've taken that on as like part of the charter of the company in the context of I purposely don't outsource things yeah. because I want to hire people. I want to build a culture. I want to build, an, you know, what I call an ecosystem here at the company, which allows people from typically, we'll say, a, a military background or a blue collar background where they have... Mm-hmm a non-corporate environment where they can come in and can and, and they're conforming where they they can say the F word. It's okay. Like it, it doesn't offend me and yeah. it doesn't offend anybody else. I hope, but ultimately- <laughs> yeah. if, if it does, they're probably not going to last yeah, all that long. If it does, it's, like, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, move on. And like for the, like the, the longest time, because people always ask me, like, why are you printing your own shirts? Like, it'd be easier for you to outsource it. Like, because I like employing people. I want to bring people yeah. in. I want to give them, you know, a, a fair compensation and then build this this company around mm-hmm. how interesting and cool people are. Like, you were talking to Amanda yesterday, and she's been with the company for four years. Started in the print shop, worked her way up just graduated from a project management course. And now, you know, she went on a bear hunt with the company a couple yeah. of months ago, killed a black bear up in, you know, BC with the rivets, which awesome. I'm sure you're yep. familiar with them. And that's the kind of shit that I'm into. Yeah. It's like, well, but even, person, even the story of like how you started with the shirts, it's like you were down in Vegas and you saw the machinery and like, you just <laughs> like, you show up and like, Hey, like, like we're now doing this here. We're like, now here, here's the equipment. Like we're going to figure it out. Like that's cool. Like that's mm-hmm. sort of, again, that American ingenuity that used to be there, the entrepreneurialism, that's like, you're just doing it. And uh, yeah, I know I found it really fascinating. And again, it's something that most wouldn't know. And I think these days, again, everyone's so sort of jaded. It's like, ah, you know, right. everyone slaps their patch on something and it's outsourced by someone else. And ultimately it all leads back to China. And like, right. It's, it's cool to see the opposite. Well, no, and people always be a little bit surprised because we'll, you know, they're, they're there are things that we have to outsource, right? There are things that yeah, you, you, you physically cannot do it anymore. Do it's it. like, yeah. And we'll have like, I'll take the outsourcing out of just even putting a patch on a hat, for instance. So then yeah. I, the, the Afghans I worked with in Kabul, they're working yeah. in the sew shop and they're yeah, stitching, down hats, there doing, they're stitching you know. the, the, it's awesome. Yeah. And they love their job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a guy that, you know, likes to hire people and build company stuff. I would love to be able to have all of it, like yeah. just all of it, just, you know, cut and sew for mm-hmm. any and all things, you know, reams of, of, of plastic so I could make my own bags. Like I love the manufacturing piece and yeah. people don't, people don't yeah. understand. You guys are much more of a manufacturer than anyone would ever actually oh. sort of give you credit for, or, you know, or be able to see within the realities of sort of what is American manufacturing these days, yeah, yeah. right? So it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I was really impressed with that. It was really cool to see. Well, and so many people, and I think even for us, we just, we get consumed with trying to make really cool videos, right? We, yeah. we want to make these really cool videos because it's like part of this entertainment piece and it's super fun. And then you forget, oh yeah, well, yeah. man, the, the blocking and tackling, the stuff that like literally scores the points it's doing, it's happening right here every day. Yeah. So right below us in the podcast studio is the t-shirt printing and mm-hmm. then obviously some coffee roasting. And I walked, walked you around yesterday and showed the history of the company. And 
we're not here to talk about my my company though. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, again, I, it's it's a fascinating story. Seeing it with my own eyes is amazing. You know, watching you go, you know, full coffee nerd on some of the like, it's just. I'm just a curious guy. So learning about something I'd have no, and, and again, taking it that far down the rabbit holes. Like, oh my right. God, you didn't realize there's that much sort of, oh. you know, that, that you can do with this thing. I, it was, yeah. And it's, it's eye-opening. We, we don't have time for all of it today. Uh, we don't have time for it. That's a 12-part series. Yeah, it's a 12-part <laughs> series. We were out in Maine together just a couple weeks ago yeah. or a couple months ago, whenever it was. Yeah. And we were hanging out with Tucker which is not, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. Like, that dude is so much fun. Yeah. Great. Dude. And talk about a guy that went down the rabbit hole on coffee because he completely went coffee nerd. Like, yeah. It, now he's like weighing his coffee and, and doing the whole thing, you know, working with it. I was watching that transformation. I'm like, oh boy, we got, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Because he is a details yeah. guy. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, yeah. His, his brain works so much differently. And he's so fucking fascinating by, or he's fascinated by, it seems like everything he can Correct. get. It. If, if people are into something, he's going to geek yeah, out. The, uh, the whole even dynamic with you, once he saw your passion and getting it, like it just, not that he wasn't open anyway, but like it just sort of changed the yeah. mindset. But then he just you know, keyed in on everything and just, you could hear the questions rolling. And I was like, it, it was very cool. Yeah. And that, that was fun. Yeah. That was a fun dinner. It was a fun dinner. We shot skeet. You, you're phenomenal at well, I don't, shooting you know. Well, and yeah. we, we weren't even like serious. Yeah, I was, I was shooting we a side by side. There was a way yeah, too, yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm long and lanky. So it's like, yeah. I need a longer gun to shoot it well. But like, yeah, that was, that was a, it was a cool place. Just going up to a cabin with no electricity and like just an outhouse. And like, uh, like I want to go back there and spend like a week just fishing yeah. out of that cabin on that river. Just know. like by myself. Like that's like my dream week, you know? Seriously. I, I couldn't believe how much of an outdoorsman. Yeah. Like that was the one big surprise for, that I took away from that, which is he's a, he's a very accomplished outdoorsman. Yeah. He now he's, he's into the it. Outdoors. And I thought it was funny. He was telling us that story where uh, Fox got him in uh, a front page for GQ or something. I was like, I don't want that. I want to be on the front page of, you know, uh, fly tying magazine. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the one. Like, <laughs> that's, 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 that's more my one. speed. That's yeah. more my speed. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah this guy is hilarious. One, he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. He is. Yeah. He's he, great. He could be a comedian yeah. easily. Yeah. I mean, in some ways he is because he roasts. Like, well, but you have to, like, I, honestly, I, I find that myself. They're like, don't you're so funny. I was like, yeah, but like, you're laughing because like the reality of the world in which we live right now it, yeah. at times feels like we're living a comedy. Like you can't right. make some of this crap up anymore. So to be yeah. able to, like, I find like using humor to sell it. I mean, even what I do with sort of the memes, you know, I joke, you know, I'm general in the meme wars because like, yeah. honestly, like sometimes that picture does say a thousand words and like you can communicate the idiocy of what's going on w with the picture. That's sort of funny, but you're like, mm, funny, but yeah, it's it hits home. It's kind of true right now. It's, it's true. A, um, yeah, so, but yeah, that was a fun weekend. You're a general in the meme war. Yes. I like that That's a lot. <laughs> I really like that a lot. Yeah. And it's so funny because like, I follow what, I, I follow you obviously and I, I'm like, and I'll watch like the the explosions. And, it, and it's funny to watch how people take their shit so serious. And you're like, man, this is, this is a, a, a meme of like a puppet. Yes. And, and, and yeah. oh my oh God. My 
and it's like people's heads explode in the DMs or the, in the comments. You're like, what? The, what it, is it's wrong? It's so funny, and then you know, and then of course, you know, social does its thing. I go from like three hundred thousand likes opposed to like. Five, <laughs> you know, and it's like they're like. I guess they didn't like that last one. Uh, you know, now I'm in, I'm in IG jail for the next, uh, you know, couple of weeks, and uh, it's it's crazy. When 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 you think back from your your entire you know life cycle in this, as far mm-hmm. as like your was your dad talking about running for president like well before this? Was it yeah. something that was like? always kind of discussed amongst the family? Yeah. It, well, listen, it's still my dad, right? So yeah. discussed amongst the family is like, okay, I'm going to do this. Right. Like, you know, you, you can partake or not, but like, we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, you know, so people are always like, did he have a heart to heart with you guys right, to discuss right. the trials and tribulations? Like, like uh, you know, with him, the reality is what you see is what you get. Um, but he'd been talking about it for a long time, actually. I mean, you know, in, even in the 90s, he was talking about it. And back, you know, back then it was like, Japan is taking our jobs there and, right, it, and right. they were like, he's been remarkably consistent. Like you can go back and watch like Oprah yeah. episodes from the eighties where he's literally talking about the same things. And I think, you know, finally, I guess he sort of accomplished enough in life. Didn't like, he's like, okay, like I just got to actually do something about it. And it's, you know, it, I sort of awesome. I think mean, we all sort of have to have that call to action at some point in time in our lives. I always say, right. you know, for me, like I've gotten really political. I spend a lot of time on it. I'm out there doing it. I got five young kids and I want them to grow up in a country that like we would recognize and appreciate. Right, right. And it's like, I'm concerned that that may not actually happen if we don't, uh, you know, I, for me, sort of that political journey as you know, vicious as it was with like, you know, 50 hours of testimony before the Senate intelligence committee. You know, I understand that I am not of the moral character of Hunter Biden. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, so, so they got to look at me much, much, you know, more with much more scrutiny, uh, in these things. But like, you know, I had, the head of the you know, House Intelligence Committee saying he wanted to try me for treason, like a yeah, crime yeah. punishable by death. Like, uh, for better or worse, I guess maybe I have a little bit of that Trump gene, which is like, okay, like we're going to fight now, so let's fight. Right. And uh, I, I think it was really important. What was interesting, I said when my father, you know, he had made up his mind, but even like before the infamous escalator ride down to yeah. make the announcement, I was like 50-50. Like, if you asked me like a week before, I'm like, I don't know. Like, really? Like, you sure? Like, right. I literally had no idea if it was going to happen. Um, when I knew it was going to happen, we get in that elevator. It, before the escalator ride, went down as a family. He just looks at me and goes, now we find out who our real friends are. And I'm like, oh, man, that was real. Which was, it was kind of cool because it was, it showed two things. It showed, A, he knew what was about to happen. Right. Like, just how vicious. You know, all the celebrity friends that, yeah. you know, are, Trump's terrible. I'm like, right. that's weird. We had dinner two weeks ago. Like, right. he's terrible? Like, didn't stop you from coming over to our house for vacation. Like, and that happened a lot. Uh, it, was, it showed he was, it, you know, understood how the real world actually works. And I think these days, so many people are living in, you know, an imaginary, uh, you know, unicorn land that right. doesn't actually exist, but they'd like it to believe that it does. And it's sort of hard to operate when you're so detached from reality. Uh, he knew what was going to happen, but more importantly, he knew what was going to happen and he did it anyway. And I was like, you know, that was his way of stepping up after years of sort of being like, these people are incompetent. They're destroying our middle class. They're doing this. And it, it was sort of, you know, interesting watching a guy like that. Again, a billionaire from Manhattan. Like, he understood, you know, sort of the plight of blue-collar America mm-hmm. uh, better than, like, those people in Congress who are, live in those neighborhoods who are supposed to be representing them that somehow didn't get it. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a pretty fascinating process. And it was, it was awesome to go through. Were you, were you political moving in 
into the, you know, the election? Were you, or I should yeah. say, were you involved in politics? Were you following it? Were you, yeah. or was this more of, Honestly, not that much. Only because, you know, listen, I was always a conservative, right? I was yeah, always yeah. big 2A guy, right. big, you know, big in some of those issues, you know, less so on the social side of, you know, mm-hmm. things because it just sort of didn't affect me. So I didn't right. really think about it. You know, so I was always a conservative, but we were also, you know, building buildings in New York City and in Chicago. And like, so you you literally have to play both sides. You know, the right. first fundraiser I ever did politically was for Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> right? No, but like people are like, oh, well, that's crazy. Well, no, he was the attorney general of New York. Like, if you build yeah. a building, you put together an offering plan, the prospectus. Like, the attorney general of New York signs off on that to make you go forward. Like, we would never get one through the attorney general's office now. You know, they've been yeah. trying to investigate us for, right. you know, now a decade practically. Right. You know, like, we'd never get it done. So, like, you play it. That's what, what was kind of awesome with my father when they're like, what, you donated to Hillary? It's like, yeah, because I understand how this game works. Right. Like, I know better than anyone, like, how this system works. And so, yeah, like, people are always like, what do you mean you did that? I was like, yeah, that's, like, literally part of my day job, uh, you know, at the time. And so uh, what was interesting for politics for me being where I'm from is, like, it was actually really cathartic. Now I can go do the things that I'm into. Right. You know, when it, before it was like I was sort of putting on a suit and showing up to a boardroom in New York City you know, I may have, you know, spent the weekend at my cabin with, like, I didn't spend a weekend in New York in probably a decade in the city, meaning I'd go up to my cabin, I'd be fly fishing, I'd be shooting, I'd be hunting. And it's like, I felt like every day I was putting on a suit, like I was faking it. Politics, as vicious, as brutal as it was, as much as they, you know, tried and continued to try to sort of destroy me and my family. It was like, like, I was like, oh, like, it was actually, like, I found a sort of freedom at like 38, like started almost, you know, anew, which not something a lot of people sort of have that opportunity to do where again, I was, it was very different than that business. So for me, again, as vicious as it was, I was like, this is great. Like, and you know, just went from there. I've often thought about, you know, the politics just in general, and then being thrown into the arena. So you're a relatively public, but private person prior to that point. But now you're not only public, it's so public. Yeah. And it's across every media outlet. And then yeah. it's misrepresentation after misrepresentation. And then sometimes people get it right. Like, did it, did it ever shock you to a point where you're like, what the fuck? Like, or it was well, it something that you kind of yeah, built I, into? Hey, listen, I, well, it was pretty quick where, you know, it, you, but it was interesting. Like they were like, well, his opening speech was, no, no, no. No one had a problem with it for like two weeks. Right. Well, that's what, the, what people don't understand. They're like, oh, he said this about like, well, you mean you say, so there's not rapists coming across the border in Mexico? Like there's right. like, it's pretty known. Like what, what was it? Like one in three women and children are like sexually assaulted. Like you're saying there's not a drug problem coming across these things. Like no one actually had a problem with it. Like the day of. It was when he started making traction. They're like, oh man, he actually may be the guy. Right. That's when it became a problem. And so, you know, I, I sort of recognize that like, we just don't, we don't get to play by the same rules as the other side. You know, the right. Democrats, like they can take a negative and they have a trillion dollar mainstream media complex, a trillion dollars in social media companies, mm-hmm. a trillion dollars in big tech that will be like, okay, well, he screwed that up. So that'll never show up in Google search. Right. You know, or, or, or it's a bad message, but we'll say they really meant this way. You know, they'll always get the benefit of the doubt. I'll never get the benefit of the mm-hmm. doubt. So that was sort of shocking. I think over the over the last five years, perhaps, like I always knew there was a left slant in the media. Mm-hmm. But like now as someone who's been in the room, you know, someone who was like, I was like three of the big bombshells. But, you know, yeah. Oh, my God, we got him now. Like Donald Trump Jr. It's like, no, I didn't. Like, what do you like? 
I, like, I was in the room and I see the reporting as though it's the gospel. Right. And it's like, there's not even a pretense of objectivity. There's not even, it didn't matter. Like they found what they wanted to find and like, we're not even going to check. We're just going to run with it. Then it becomes the story. The tweet goes viral. They leave it up. It doesn't matter. They'll do a correction on page 97, two weeks later. Right. No one actually sees it. They still think the lie is, is the truth. I, like I said, I, saw, I was in a tree stand one time. I was like, oh my God, we got Don Jr. And the, like, what? Like, it was, it was nonsense. Like, but those stories are still up as though they're real. Right. And a, again, you, you then look at sort of the other side. It's, you know, now and as we, like, literally as we speak, you know, FBI is like, yeah, there's people saying that we were told to not look into the Hunter Biden laptop issue or to slow roll it or to like, get, you know what I mean? Like, like I'd never get that benefit of the doubt. No. You know, if I was on, if it was the Don Jr. laptop from hell, oh, yeah. it would be a serious problem. And like any one of the 200 degenerate things on there would be in and of itself disqualifying. Right. Let alone like, oh, it's not a problem. Like I, I get that. I'm, you know, we talked about my caffeine addiction. I'm a pretty amped up individual. It's like, yeah. You know, when I'm amped up, they're like, oh my God, he's on cocaine. I'm like, but like, but the guy that's like on video is smoking crack. Like, that, that's, no, 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 that's an addiction problem. I'm like, wait a second, but you can't, like, come on. Like, they go after me for calling that out after, you know, I was like, I don't know, maybe I take it personally because you attacked me as this like degenerate human being for six years. None of that, it's all projection. It's like the stuff right. that they're doing, I don't know, it's Don Jr., he was doing that. He's the cokehead. It's like, Dude, the guy's on video. Like, this is not like this every is... time. Like, there's like, imagine like the stuff that Hunter Biden was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't record this one. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> imagine what was, imagine what Where's was the line. Yeah, what was too Where's extreme? What was too extreme to put on video where he's like, you know what? Maybe like, I shouldn't record this one. Like, right. you know, because like we probably have seen like the good clips because there was probably stuff way worse than that. And it's like, you know, and again, I, I just say like, and, and like, even a leftist, if they're not totally, you know, suffering from, you know, Trump derangement syndrome, TDS right. for short, uh, like even they'd be like, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. But there are people that literally don't believe that. They're that and that's, again, where we are. Like it, it's, it, it's gone pretty insane. Yeah. It, it's, it's always interesting to me that people are so passionate about certain pieces of information that they cannot substantiate whatsoever. Yeah. So like the, when you guys, when you specifically were going through the Russian collusion thing, mm -hmm. and it's like Russia, Russia, Russia. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about it in the context of, you know, you're, you're giving congressional testimony yeah. there. There's so much information every day coming out on mm -hmm. this and nothing happened. Nothing. Well, and and none of it was back. Like none you, of it. Was you have factual. the leader of the House Intelligence Committee say, "Like I committed treason." Yeah. Like again, a crime punishable by death. Like, but oh, so now there's nothing. It's like we're just kidding. We're just like kidding. there's and there's no accountability for that. It's like oh. you know they can make you do this, they do that. Like and try like in fifty hours of testimony, like all they want is one, one little mistake. Right. Then they get you for perjury. And that's all it was from the beginning. Right. But that doesn't stop them from going on TV every day and lying to them. You know, we've seen the evidence. Really? Like, well, like, shouldn't where we see it? it? But like, where is it? I'm still waiting. Right. You've seen the evidence. It's like, well, I, how about like, we now know like who paid for these things and like, you know, how, how that started. Like the guy that there was one of the biggest real estate developers in Russia. Like right. we are a real estate company. Right. Like I looked at doing deals there. I looked at a couple of deals with those guys. Like that's how business works. Like if you say, Hey, can you meet with something? You know, sure. Because like, you know, who knows? Like at that point in time, we were like, we had, according to everyone in the world, we had zero chance of winning a primary, right. let alone, 
the general election. I was like, well, I'm still going to be in the real estate business. Like you maintain relationships. That's what you do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so there's nothing nefarious about it, but like, again, Hunter Biden can be taking, you know, millions from the Ukraine for a no-show job in a business he's never been in uh, with no understanding of the language, you know, a billion dollar, you know, China, they're right. yeah, that's stupid. They probably do some due diligence before they just give a random crackhead a billion dollars. Like I can, you know, they're not going around handing out billions of dollars in investment to someone unless they're buying them. Right. Which of course they were, but that's not a problem. No, no, he's a private citizen. It's like, I wasn't a private citizen. Right. Well, you're political. Well, I don't have a choice. You've come at me and attacked me. Like at this point, like I'm just in the fight and I'm willing to do that. So, uh, you know, it, the way they can try to rationalize, uh, you know, the differences. And now here we sit six years later, there's still nothing. It doesn't stop them from continuing the nonsense. You know, we have the hostage rescue team raiding our house. Like right. it sort of never ends. I'm like, but it's never weird. Ends. Like they never look. Well, that, that was someone thing that, Thinking back on that time, which was why, if the other side is willing to do these types of things, mm-hmm. so what's wrong with the Republican Party at this yes. point? Like, so from your perspective, when you look at the Republican Party, what's wrong with that? Yeah, listen, I, I, I think it was, you know, it sort of certainly explains, I think, you know, the rise of Trump. And honestly, it probably explains a lot of me. You know, there's right. the people like, hey, when are you running? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you want me to run? Like, I don't have the hubris or the ego to be like, I should be doing those things. But like, you know, there's polling that has me. If it's not DJT, I'm a top two or three candidate for 2024. I'm like, but, and I, what I literally figured out was it's like, they're just like, he's just, he's crazy enough to actually fight. Right. Like he'll actually get in, in the mix and not just fold. And I think that's the difference. What's wrong with the Republican party is it's an easy existence in Washington, DC. If you're a Republican, if they know that you'll give up when it matters, mm. you know, Hey, second amendment. Well, we'll fold and we'll give you this. It's like, okay, fine. You know, we'll leave you alone. Like we'll invite you to the cool person party. And for so long, these guys have just, it's just easier to be left alone. And I asked, you know, it's funny. I asked Matt Gates about this, obviously a yeah. firebrand and wild man. And like, yeah, yeah, but great. But he's fighter. I was like, well, dude, why, why doesn't that guy fight? Like, yeah. I, I think he believes like I hear his stump speech in front of 10 people. And he's talking about all these things that he's going to do. But that, when he goes to DC, he goes, well, you know, that guy, he sat on the city council for seven years in a job. And then he got up to the state legislature and he was making three bucks a month. And like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, Eddie Murphy and the distinguished gentleman, right? They, right. He had the same name of the guy that had the congressional seat for 30 years. And like <laughs> that guy died. And now it's like the name, you know, now he's a congressman and he will do anything to stay there. He just, he's in the big leagues. Someone's kissing his ass every once in a while. He gets to go do this. Like, He's never going to jeopardize that. And again, if you're on the left, like you get every benefit of the debt, right? right. They, they can come up with the dumbest. I mean, I'm watching the left have, you know, sound bites where they're, well, you know, no, that's not a pedophile. It's a minor attracted person. Like that's totally like, that's a new sexuality. That's totally fine. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, seriously, like, and, and like, I look at the hills the left is dying on. It's like, if, if we took a comparable insane idea on the other side, it would just be barrage, 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 cancellation. It's over, you know? And so the problem with the Republican party is they have not had the balls to actually fight. Mm. You know, they're just, they want that easy existence. And again, it's an easy existence. If you're weak, it's an easy, you can vote Republican 95% of the time when it doesn't matter. But when it's those margin votes and they really want it and they really need it and you, you know, they know you're going to fold, they'll leave you alone. And I think, you know, we've been playing a different game for far too long. You know, the Republicans have been playing T-ball 
while the left has been playing hardball. Right. And like, you can't, that's not a recipe for success in the long run, right? We're like, oh, well, we'll turn the other cheek and we'll do this while they're laughing their ass off, taking every win, owning every institution, you know, from academia to on it, even the, right. you know, the, the, at least the upper echelons in the bureaucracy of the military and law enforcement. I mean, you know, look at the FBI. It's like, right. you know, and I, I always make the distinction between the door kickers because I know those guys are on our side because they tell me that. But they're like, well, we don't have a choice. We, you know, this is where it's coming from. It's a shame what's happened to, you know, I hear that every day. I'm like, guys, like eventually you're going to have to do something about it because, you know, you, you see that, the weaponization of that. You've watched it. I, we, I talked about, you know, them raiding Mar-a-Lago. Like, mm-hmm. fine. Like, but there's communications back and forth where everyone's cooperating. Like, you needed to go in with the HRT, right. the hostage rescue team. Like, I don't even think they did, like, domestic, you know, search warrants. Like, these guys go kill terrorists who hijack planes internationally. Like, I, like, I don't even know that's been done on domestic soil. And yet, like, you're telling me that's not sending a message? And then when we question it and they say, well, we don't want your lawyers president. I'm like, why wouldn't you want, like, because if I'm exercising a search warrant, like, I want legitimacy yes. to that, right? Like, yeah. well, and then you say, well, what the hell were they doing that they didn't want the lawyers there and they want to cl- turn off the closed circuit cameras and stuff like that? It's like, well, how dare you question their integrity? It's like, well, how dare I? Like, I don't know. I, I've, I'm watching guys from the FBI, whether it's Chris Ray or, you know, Strzok or the, like, they lied before Congress. No consequence. Right. If I lied before, if I made a mistake, you know, in my 50 hours of testimony, if I said, well, yeah, 1202, no, 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 1203, like jail, you know, you get the Steve Bannon treatment. Right. If you're on our side, if their side, it's like you get a contributorship at CNN. Mm-hmm. You're, you're on oh, TV. Yeah. And, you know, I'm watching guys that literally lied before Congress talk about integrity within the FBI. I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, how dare you question their integrity? And I'm like, well, like they're lying on FISA warrants. You know, they're, they're lying before Congress. They're setting up meth heads, you know, creating a fake kidnap plot of Gretchen yeah. Whitmer right before an election. Like, we now know that, like, mm-hmm. it was literally, like, I don't know, you have a sophisticated organization throwing money at a bunch of meth heads to try to do, and they still, like, it's pretty clear that, like, they're like, no, that we don't want to do that. Like, what are you talking about? No, no, that's what happened. Like, what have they done to deserve, you know, sort of, you know, to be above reproach. They, they certainly not from their actions. Like they're, they're lying to the American public. Like every terrorist attack that's happened in recent, even in the last couple of yeah. months, like he was on the FBI's radar. I'm like, well, why didn't they do something? Right. Well, you know, he checked the box. Like he was a trans unicorn. So we, you know, we, you know, he may want to <laughs> shoot up a school, but we can't look, you know, that would be, that would be racist. That not woke enough. Uh, like this stuff's going on every day in America. It's really, you know, scary shit. And so, you know, we, we need to get guys that'll actually fight. And again, I think that's what was sort of the phenomenon of Trump is like, yep, that guy will fight for us. Yeah. And we don't have enough of that. Well, I, I think it, one of the things that I've noticed is that every time you have a political issue that's either left or right, the opposite side will say, it's not, it's not okay to question the FBI or it's not okay to question the government. It's like, no. It's always okay to question course, the government. Like our, our country is okay founded on government. Like, like, like that's the, being a skeptic it, is, yeah. is perfectly fine. Not only fine, we should encourage that behavior. Yeah. When you look at the, the things that have happened in the last, what we'll call it, 100 years, and the complaints from both parties yeah. of like, you know, overreach of government authority, whatever it might be, these are things that we always have to question. Yeah. When we look at the, the invasion of Iraq, and we were talking about this with Tucker when we were out there, which was, you know, obviously I yeah. participated in Iraq for the majority. Well, that, that was a fact, like, life. cause I didn't even, you know, hearing from your side of that was awesome actually. Cause I, I didn't even put that together and I was always a skeptic anyway, but that was awesome. Yeah, it was, and it was one of those things, if I could roll back the clock and it, when we look at 
you know, 9-11, obviously, it directly contributed to the global war on terror. Global war on terror, and then Iraq, Saddam Hussein had fucking nothing to do with Al-Qaeda. If yeah. anything, he was... <laughs> He yeah. was fighting them in yeah. his own Would country. we be better off if we, yeah. you know, like. Eh. And then you got, you know, Colin Powell and the director of the CIA talking about ricin and chemical weapons. Yeah. And it was all bullshit. Yeah. And people have such short-term memories where you're like, you have Colin Powell talking about. And Dick Cheney. And Dick Cheney. And now, and now Liz Cheney, who was Liz probably. Cheney. Now she's a hero of the left yeah. because you'll stay. Like, I'm like, ah, come on. They like, invaded, really? Like, they invaded a country. Yeah. Like they, they flipped it upside down and spent a trillion dollars of the taxpayer's wealth. When you think about the, the largest single transference of taxpayer dollars in modern history was the global war on terror. Yeah. Yeah. Out, even outside of the banking bailouts that Obama did. But when you think about the global war on terror and what it directly contributed to the, from the taxpayer dollars into the military industrial complex, mm-hmm. which by the way, I'm not a fucking pacifist. Like I believe yeah, in war. No, you, I believe yeah. in fucking killing bad people. Yeah. I, not only do I believe in it, I think it should be encouraged. Yeah, but, but, but there's ways to do it, right? Like my, my father was that way. Like he was like, and we had sort of the conversation even last night with friends who were operators. And I was like, dude, when he got in, he was just like, let the guys on the ground that actually know what right. they're talking about, like let them take care of the bad guys. Right. And like, it was really successful, really quickly. You know, and before that you had sort of the, well, we have a high value target. We got a call into Washington, D.C., you know, minor difference of 12 hour difference. So the other guy's sleeping comfortably in his nice air conditioned bed. And it's like, well, I'll get to you when I get to the office. And by the time that happens, there's a change in the scenario. You miss the opportunity. There's children in the area. You now can't call in a strike. And it was like, you know, it's, it's not that hard. It's not. But we, we've made everything so insane. You see it going on today. I mean, today when I'm like, so why are we sending 60 billion to Ukraine? Right. You know, it's not like it's not a, you know, I think in many places they actually rate it like more corrupt than Russia. That's right. hard to believe, but like, so, well, it's, it's just a kickback to big war. They're like, dude, we, we watched big pharma get rich for the last two years during COVID. Like, bullshit. <laughs> like where's my, where's my money? And that's yeah. all it is. Like, it's yeah. literally just a kickback to big war. Like, but if you question like, so like, why are we sending, you know, we can all agree it's an atrocity and it shouldn't have happened. And they're like, yada, yada, yada. But like, why are we sending, oh, are you a Russia apologist? Right. It's like, no, dude, I just want to know where $60 billion, you, you guys throw around $60 billion like we're handing out like Oprah, like, you know, you get $60 billion, you get $60 billion, and here's another $60 billion. Like, like, what about like the people who end up having to pay for this stuff? Yeah. Like the American taxpayer, like the, it's a government funded program. I'm like, bullshit. It's like a taxpayer funded program. Like there is no government money. Program. Like it's yes. all taxpayers. And like, you can't even question this stuff anymore. And uh, it like that, that can't be. But, but, but it doesn't make any sense. When, when you think about the left was questioning the global war on terror until Obama was elected. And then it was, wow, he, look at oh, what he's doing. Look at what he's Wonderful. doing to fight. Like, like, so it's like, the, the, you know, two terms of the Bush administration and they were, you know, out protesting the global war on terror, talking about the atrocities of the American government in all these different countries. Then Obama's elected. And it's, like, okay hey, it's okay now. <laughs> it's hey, okay now. Hey, Trump, man, Trump killed a terrorist? Like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, okay. I don't know. Like, don't we want to kill the terrorist? Okay. I'm like, I'm confused. And then they go through eight years of the global war on terror with Obama. And, you know, I mean, to be fair, like, you know, some of the left was like, hey, I, I'm not into this. Like, they, like they stay some, true. And, and plenty on the right were also the like, right. what, what are we doing? Like, what's the end game? How are what's we going to? Trump comes in and says, ah, we're, we're, we're done with this or whatever it is. We're going we're gonna to change it around. We're going to take out Al-Qaeda. And now people don't even know what to do because on the left or the right, they're like, 
wait, are we anti-war or are we pro-war? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. Well, that, and that's the thing. Just depending on who's in power and who the narrative yeah. benefits, is it's it's a different answer. It's a different and answer. Like, so, you know, the media, if, if the Democrats are doing, look, what a great hero you are for doing this. And if you're the opposite, and and that's what's sort of the shame. It's like the like perspective is just totally lost at this point. Like yeah. no, no one knows. And I mean, you know this stuff better than anyone. You spend so much time there. It's like this stuff's not that simple, but that you can sort of have a different result and a different, you know, press story or headline, just depending on who's the person, uh, just because they're, they're moving a political football as opposed to actually doing what's right. Like, it's pretty scary. Well, that's the thing that, that, that's not only surprised me, but obviously I think the, the curtain's been pulled back on this, which is, this is politics. It's, yes. it, it's not policy. So when you look at like strategic policy, strategic objectives, what's doing yeah. best for the country, I, I don't see that on either side. I don't see yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. I see a lot of people that are, hey, this is me, not team. This is for me. This is for my career. This is for my progression. I don't see people saying, this is for the strategic best interest of the, com- the country. So when we think about like the Ukraine is a great example and people are debating it, like give me a, a clear concise strategic objective mm-hmm. directly related to the Ukraine and what my dollars are going to be spent yes. on. And then what is the, what are, what are our minimum success criteria for withdrawal? So anything that we do and we're spending taxpayer dollars or blood and treasure, there should be at least the minimum success criteria for how are we going to get the fuck out? Yeah. Not because this, but they don't care. Like, that, that's the problem. Like, you know, you saw like, you know, all, you know, the generals, and again, you can't, you're yeah. not allowed to critique a general you you because, you know, they are above reproach. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They, like, they do this, then they end up, you know, on the board of Raytheon. Yeah. Guess what? You know how they justify their, you know, huge, you know, board seat, you know, comp? It's like, by staying in wars, like, yeah. by selling more missiles. Guess what? Like, if you don't use the missiles, like, you know, you're not making more <laughs> money. Like, it, it's one big, you know, money laundering scheme, you know, and that's the problem with all of DC and the swamp. It's, it's, it's yeah. that, it's like, they are functioning for the benefit of themselves and their buddies, and everyone will mm-hmm. get a kickback from someone else eventually, and they'll get hired for a board seat that they have no business being. And I mean, like, you know, I, I always sort of use the example of like the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's like, you know, General Milley, he gets up. We could not have seen this coming. Like, really? You, yeah. you, you, you couldn't have seen it coming? Like, you've been in charge for 20 years. Like, and I'll caveat that I don't jack shit about Afghanistan. Like, I saw it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I was telling you last night, like, my son, the day that was going on, he was watching the news. He's like, well, Dad, like, why, why would we leave 86 billion in military? Equi-? Like, I'm like, you're right, son. I, too, would love an Apache helicopter. Yeah. You know, I, I have a problem when they're like, when they're yelling at, you know, Americans couldn't possibly have an AR-15, but you have no problem leaving 70,000 M4s, like, fully automatic, right. like, fully automatic weapons. And I know they don't know the difference, but, like, we do. You don't have a problem leaving with that with the Taliban? Like, how many people? Good, innocent people in Afghanistan, and you'll, again, know this better than me, will be maimed, killed, you know, tortured with American military equipment for the next two decades that we just left there. Right. Like a lot. A lot. Like, like a humanitarian crisis, like yeah. probably worse than what went on for the last 20 years. And they could not have seen it coming. No. You know, then the secretary, of, you know, uh, secretary of state gets on stage. We are shocked and dismayed that... The Taliban did not dis- install a more diverse and inclusive government. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, seriously? No, like, like, I feel like I'm being punked. Like, you're shocked and dismayed. Like, you may be dismayed, but you're shocked. Like, did you think there was going to be like a huge, like, trans coalition, you know, in, in the Taliban government? Like, I don't know. Like, like, 
for 20 years, you watch them throw gays off of buildings. Yeah, yeah. Like you watch yeah. them put like a journalist in a cage, douse them in gasoline and light them on fire. You would think the media would be like, these are not good people. <laughs> but like, no. they're shocked that this didn't happen. Like you thought there was gonna, like the women that they put and children that they put in sexual slavery for decades. Like you think they were gonna have a seat at the table? Like yeah. they were gonna negotiate on behalf. Like, like, are you that stupid? Is any, like- are these, you know, I was told the adults are back in charge now, but I'm right, like, right. I, don't, I don't know, man. Like they, they are so detached from reality, pushing these like, you know, woke hope notes. It's, it's scary. That's it's, scary like, these part. are, these are people that are making trillion dollar decisions for you, me, our children, our grandchildren after them. They don't have a bit, like they shouldn't be running a kindergarten. No, no. I, I, I often find myself thinking about how not only should they not be running a kindergarten because actually that's probably- Yeah, well, yeah, they're, 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 exactly. they're, 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 they'll they, be indoctrinating our children with that bullshit yeah, too. And- they're, they're barely capable of like turning the key in their car and turning it on and then like sustaining yeah. themselves. Like, how does this in, work? In, like, how does this work? You, you can't change a tire. And I'm not saying that's the, that's the fundamental aspect of like life, but it, you don't have a concept of even how physics or the principles of those things yeah. work in momentum. And, the, and when I'm looking at it and you're hearing them talk, you have to understand they are dumb. Yeah. They're just like really fucking dumb. I've, I've talked about this a lot with Afghanistan or Iraq. There was no context to understanding war. So when you had guys like Dick Cheney, when you had Don Rumsfeld, when you had you know W talking yeah. about war, it's really easy to talk about fucking war when you have absolutely no reference points mm-hmm. and you're looking at it from the con from from a yeah. from a document yeah and rumsfeld talked about how which don't even even started on these <laughs> idiots they were talking about you know debathification mm-hmm. and one of the light bulbs that went on with me early on with these guys was how ridiculously articulate and same at the same time how fucking dumb they were I was watching the news and they were talking about debathification in Iraq. And they're like, we need a debathification of Iraq. And we're in the country. We just popped this thing open and overthrew it. And I'm like, but the, the bath party has been in charge for the entire existence, basically for the, for the last 40 years since Saddam has been yeah. in power, they have all their guns. Yeah. So you're now kicking out everybody that owns a gun saying, go home. We don't want you. And basically fuck off. We were literally watching the TV going, these guys are creating an insurgency. Yeah. We're, we're fucked. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> they did. And they and did. Like, it was almost, it was, it was as if they were trying to create an insurgency so they would have a reason to spend more money. So when but, people are talking about- But that's what about it was. And like, there's no other, now in hindsight, like name another explanation. Other than, other than, yeah, it was the military industrial complex. This is a kickback yes. to them. We'll, we'll come up with enough reasons for us to be there. Now that we're in, let's just keep it rolling. Everyone's going to make a lot of money. And like, when you look back, like, I can't find another logical reason. And you're like, oh, it's terrible. They would never make decisions like that. I was like, wouldn't they? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't, a bad guy. Like, yeah. hey, you know how many fucking bad guys there are in yeah. the world? There's a lot countries? of bad guys. There's a lot of bad guys. Yeah. Oh, he's a bad guy. I'll tell you what he wasn't. He wasn't supporting Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Well, like, they all fucking said he was. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't supporting Al Qaeda. He wasn't supporting the global war, like the global war against America and a terror campaign against us. He wasn't doing that. You know why? Because Al Qaeda would have destabilized his country. Correct. Because he wasn't. That was Islamic the natural check and balance with Iran. You know, that was the, you know, 
again, I mean, you, you know much more about this than I do. I, I get criticized if I even comment on the military. I mean, I was trending on Twitter earlier this week. I woke up because I, I, in a speech, and I've been saying this for like three years, so it's nothing new because I've had these conversations. Right. And you know, I know a lot of guys that are sort of operators yeah. and stuff like that. I don't pretend to be one myself. I shoot a lot, but I'm, it's not the same. And I'm not, but like, I can have conversations with people that are friends. And I, I had said, uh, you know, hey, I speak to guys on the teams and like, they're literally telling me that they have been doing and or speaking to their friends that are currently active. Like they've spent more time doing, you know, diversity and inclusion uh, you know, education than they are shooting. Right. And I said it in a speech and I've been saying it for years, but like, I woke, don't you, he says that this is going on. He doesn't know anything. He probably doesn't even, he doesn't know any of these people. So like, you know, Rob O'Neill jumped in, Carl Hagney, a bunch of guys that I know, they're former SEALs. He's like, dude, he's like, he's a hundred percent right. This is, but I was trending on Twitter, trying to get like owned by the media that I couldn't possibly know. No. You know, people in a pretty large community where I overlap a lot. I was like, I don't know. I like, I hosted like the Navy SEAL Foundation, like big fundraiser this year. Like I, I, these, these are buddies. Like I know a lot of them. Like, of course I've had that conversation. And of course it's going on. Right. Uh, you know, that, and it, it, I was actually shocked when we were talking a little bit. I was like, I thought that was like a sort of a newer phenomenon, the, the, the woke yeah. you know, training, you know, like I want my like SEALs like to go kill bad guys. Like, That's I, you know, I don't, it, I, I don't care if everyone they work with is green or, you know, female, if they're the best killers, like go kill bad guys. And you sort of told me your story about like being called back into Kabul from the front lines in like really dangerous yeah. times to be like, now you have to learn about talking to females in the workplace, Evan. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, uh, there's no females in my week. workplace for a, for a week. <laughs> and I'm like, like that was like the worst time spent ever for, you know, by, you know, again, it probably a militant female who, mm -hmm. you know, will be an admiral or a general, for no other reason other than they're probably female. And again, I'll get canceled for saying that. Sure. But like, I have a feeling if you're joining the military these days, like, you know, if you check those boxes, if you can say, hey, I'm trans, like, general. like general. We'll be a gen So they can say they're doing it. And like, and it's insane. And like, so they were trying to literally like cancel me and I'm trending on Twitter for saying something that is literally common knowledge. Like, right. they're, they are talking about like not being able to have retention in the military. They are talking about grossly missing their recruitment numbers because what, and again, another thing I'll get in trouble for, but like what patriotic American who would actually go and fight for our country that we'd want fighting for our country today would look at it and be like, yeah, I want to sign up for that. Knowing they're going to enter this woke hellhole. It's sort of like police officers today. Like, right. you know, you're going to go in and sign up to be a cop. There's, they got rid of qualified immunity. So like, you know, if some guy with a 30 page rap sheet breaks free and I've seen, you know, cop tells me, you know, these stories all the time, like they break free, they smash their face on a wall and then they try to claim pol police brutality. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so you're going to sue that guy personally. Like, why would you do that job? How oh. can, how can you do that job? Like, of course they're missing their recruitment numbers. Who's going to sign up knowing that they're going to be subjected to that shit, uh, you know, day in and day out. Uh, and of course it's happening. And then, you know, again, the stories of like all the people being like, no, I'm a SEAL. I've had that conversation with Don Jr. And he's a hundred percent, right? Like it just disappears. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, okay, we'll change the narrative. We thought we had him. Like, again. Well, there's, there's like, there's always a gotcha moment, right? It's mm -hmm. like, there's, there's a gotcha moment every week. We yeah. got you. We got you finally, Don. We <laughs> yeah. got you. We got you, Don. And I'm like, I've seen this now for how many years? Where yeah. it's like, oh, we got you now. Like this is, and they don't. Yeah. Like, well, I will say now, the difference between- sort of a conspiracy theory and the truth right. is about six months. <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know, like the CDC owns all your quote unquote conspiracy theorist friends, a major apology, because it seems like the guidelines that they come up with is what guys like me have been saying for two years. I'm like, I don't know. Like, it seems like 
you know, it, natural immunity would be a thing. Like that's sort of how your body works. Oh, God forbid. Like, I mean, I used to get canceled all the time for talking about like the Wuhan lab leak theory. I'm yeah. like, they're like, how dare you? What do you know about this? I was like, I don't know. I'm just a thinking person. Like you're telling me that the disease originated from six feet outside of the lab that studies the exact <laughs> virus in question in the town where we're fine. Like, fine. You're telling me it came from the wet market like a block away. Yeah. But there's no way it originated in the place that they store the stuff. And it's right. Like, I'm like, I, but if you were a medical professional and you said that, like, hey, there's a good chance. You were done. You're you, done. you were literally thrown out. Done. Like, you were done as a medical professional. And they all knew it. And like, because of course they knew it. Because at what logical point in time was that ever not the most plausible answer? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, it, it, like, but they, like, you'd have to be an idiot to think otherwise. And yet, like, that was the gospel. And that's the way to hurt Trump. And, you know, so I, I'm so used to this, like, they've got me once again. He's up again. They, 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 I love when they do the compilation of yeah. the walls are closing in. Yeah, yeah, the walls yeah. have, you know, the yeah. walls have been closing. Give me a break already. Like, yeah. hey, like enough. Like, please take the L. Just move on. Like, it's. <laughs> But it, it it won't stop. It will never stop. No. Like, that's the thing that I've, I've, I've realized, which I think is actually, it's probably healthy for our society just in general, is we have you specifically and, and your family, they've exposed the ridiculousness yes. of the facade of the game mm -hmm. where if you're thinking and you're watching and you're looking at everything, you don't... You don't have to go to some obscure news network or log into somebody's blog or get into a, a Reddit yeah. stream. You can just watch. Yeah. You just watch. You know what's going to happen because go, oh, okay. it's, it, it's just like common sense is just totally missing, you know, yeah. in, in the equation anymore. So like I would say sort of what's good about what's going on right now is they're so desperately trying to do this stuff, right? You know, you see it like there's that even those who've been sort of politically agnostic, you know, the people who've sat on the sidelines, they're busy. I get it. They're trying to feed their families. They're trying to, sure. you know, raise some children. They're trying to live their American dream. You know, what, what's left of it that we haven't exported to China. Like they're doing that. But like now it's so ridiculous that they're like, okay, yeah, like, wait a minute. Like I'm the son of a billionaire. Like if I'm pissed off filling up my truck, the average American is pissed off filling up his truck. Yes. Like if I notice it when I go shopping, you know, whether it's inflation or otherwise, like other people are noticing it. And then you have sort of the patronizing nonsense. Remember like last year at 4th of July, it's like, you saved 16 cents, 16 cents on your 4th of July barbecue. Remember that <laughs> yeah. one? I'm like, yeah. Wait, but like, if you, if you got in your car and drove like half a block, like you burned up that 16 cents. So they found a basket of goods to sell a narrative. And then you ungrateful peasants better, you, you better be you know, grateful of this. Now that same basket of goods a year later, this last 4th of July was $10 more expensive. And it's like, I don't know, well, we have nothing to do with that. No. You know, you save six, you know, gas prices, right? They're double, but they went down 13 cents last week. The president has nothing to do with gas prices when they double, even though it's clearly based on his energy policies and shutting down pipelines and the, you know, environmental bullshit. And, but like, look what we saved you, 13 cents down. I'm like, wait, it's still like a hundred percent more than it was. Like, what do you, like, how are you like- The national gas price, I-, I it's like $10 or something, right? It, 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 yeah. it went up exponentially. And there's no president in, in, in the history of the United States, modern history, when gas prices are up, they will not be reelected, period. Yeah. It, it, it's directly trending. If you're, if you're up, 
You're out. But you have if so much. Out, you have out. so much working against you now. The other side has been so mobilized again with media and this. Oh like, my god! They're trying to sell you this narrative. Like, no, no, no. It's wonderful. You know, inflation. It's, it's narrative. Tra- it's transitory. It's it's a good thing. You had Paul Krugman, the Nobel laureate in economics, telling you that. Well, there's no real evidence that you know the lowest income earners are most affected by inflation. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Like, <laughs> like you know, I have an economics degree from Wharton. I'm not a PhD, but like, I'm like, please, like, explain this because like, I think I could have this debate with Paul Krugman and like destroy him. There's no evidence that the lowest wage workers are not affected. He wrote it in the New York Times. Like, so you're saying the guys with the least amount of income, the least disposable income are not affected the most by price increases. Like, please explain to me how that person's not hit. Like, you know, and so they're constantly like, they will bas- they will sell their souls to try to create, the, you know, this narrative. You saw, like, this week we're dealing with it, right? You have, well, we're going to, like, they're basically buying off their, like, highly educated, like, we're going to pay off your student loan debt. It's like, no, 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 we're, you're not paying off shit. Some plumber yeah. who said, like, you know what, maybe I four-year degree and, you know, a half a million dollars in debt to get a gender studies degree isn't for me. Like, I'm going to go become a plumber. That plumber is helping to subsidize someone, you know, who went to higher education that should be doing, didn't think about maybe that that was a worthless degree that was never going to pay it back. Or someone who saved and spent, like we are rewarding the least responsible people in society. Like we are encouraging reckless behavior by rewarding just stuff that doesn't make any sense. And like, and we're asking the the hardest working people and the people Mm -hmm. who were most responsible to then be like, Lawrence Tribe, like Harvard law professor, is like, I'm really glad that thousands of the students that I were, are going to get some relief. I'm like, you mean thousands of Harvard, Harvard law graduates? Law graduates? Yeah. yeah they're they going to get a bailout from Joe Plummer? Yeah. You know, some guy who, you know, or, or some guy who went to law school and just like, hey, I'm not going to buy like the, the cool fucking toy for, you know, to show it off on Instagram or go on the badass vacation to get the, sh- you know to get the selfie, like I'm going to live responsibly and in my means and I'm going to pay off my debts. Like that guy gets jack shit. Gets jack but shit. The person who lived most recklessly and, you know, or, or chose a degree that had no, you know, a three-year-old can decide if they're a boy or a girl. And like, we can, can make permanent decisions to their body and inject themselves with hormones to, to you know, irrecoverable stuff. Uh, if they ever change their mind when they're adults, but an 18 year old is not capable of looking at a loan document and saying like, okay, like, not capable. I, I like how, not capable. how do those two it, it, fact sets exist in the same reality? It, it, it's exploitive. So, you know, that's, that, that's, that's what they're talking about is how these loaning institutions are exploiting these 18 year old kids that are going to college. Yeah. And so you know, the predatory loans mm-hmm. and, and I'm thinking, okay, when I was 18 years old, I was working on a farm and I had a night job. I was sorting packages at UPS. I was working on a farm to pay my way through college because I didn't want debt. So when I look at this, I say, to your point, Joe Plummer or, you know, my dad was a welder and a logger and all these other guys that are now like, these guys are professionals. You're paying for the most educated people in the country. Figures because these professions are also highly desirable now. And we don't have enough people filling those positions, but they're going to go subsidize the the people that decided to take out $150,000 worth of debt to go get an English lit degree, which by the way, I don't care what you fucking got, but don't make somebody else pay for it. Because by the way, do whatever you want, but like figure out, like, I don't care. You want to get a PhD in gender studies and underwater basket weaving? Be my guest. Awesome. But like, don't, don't come to me and be like, Hey, I had no idea that we couldn't have paid this back. And, and that, you know, that's happening far too much. The other aspect of that is like, I actually, 
you know, one of the sort of things that I've gotten into these days as sort of we deal with cancel culture is like actually like publishing books because yeah. like all of the big publishing houses are so left and so woke that like you couldn't go to them with a conservative book no. and where they would water. No and way. I don't mean like radical shit. I mean like right. mainstream conservative thought. Yeah. They're like, no, you can't say that. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, it's like, it's my book. Like, no, no, no. Well, you, we, you know, we won't publish it. We won't. So I started publishing books. I helped Charlie Kirk from you know, Turning yeah, Point yeah. USA. Uh, you know, I helped him publish a book just now called The College Scam. Mm-hmm. And it talks right. about all that. Like this you know, 10 grand or 20 grand payment, like they're just going to jack up tuition. You know, yeah, Harvard has a $43 billion endowment. Yeah. They keep raising the price of tuition. The value of the degrees that most of these people are getting is a continually depreciating asset. It's no different than what they did. Like, well, we're going to give you $7,500 tax credit if you buy an electric vehicle. Right. You can't afford $5 gas, but you should be able to go find, buy a $75,000 electric vehicle because they can't figure out how that doesn't work <laughs> either, right? But the, the second they announced that tax credit, literally all the electric car manufacturers just jacked their prices up by 7,500 bucks. You don't think that's going to happen in education? They have jacked up the prices for a depreciating asset, meaning the value of those degrees, because half of them are worth, you know, you can They're go worthless. take a course in the fashion of Harry Styles. Like, you know, it's great, but like, I don't know, probably not something you can ever monetize or like, you know, but how is that directly contributing to anybody's yeah. value in their life? That's the other thing is like, if you're going to pay tens of thousands, if not uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars where you don't have the foresight to look into the future and say, I will not be able to pay these things back. Yeah. And the only way that I'll actually be able to pay them back is if I get a job at the university yeah. teaching the same bullshit. How about we tax the endowments? I mean, Harvard's endowments big enough. They could have everyone go in there for free. But, you know, still, they'll still jack dollars? up the money. You'll still get a loan. They'll raise tuition another 10 grand to make up for this because now they know there's a guarantor on there. And no one on the left is ever going to take on someone in academia because they've been on the same team indoctrinating yeah, yeah. our children for the last few decades. So it's like, ah, just pass it on. Like, you, you think this is going to end well? Uh, $43 billion. $43 billion endowment. You know, if, if you took... And you could pay, but, but the plumber now is going to take a... <laughs> they, and they actually said it the other day, well, how much is this going to cost? Like, we don't really know. I'm like, so you're just basically bribing like the leftists that had the like the ridiculous, you're, you're basically bribing them to show up by saying, hey, we're going to give you 20 grand to vote for Joe Biden. That's all it is. Or, you know, or a Democrat yeah. or something like that. That's all it is at this point. But they're like, well, we would never want to be ris- irresponsible. Well, okay, so how much does it cost? Oh, uh, well, we don't know that. I'm like, wait, but you announced the thing yesterday. Like you're doing this, but you don't actually even know how much, because it, it doesn't matter. Because they don't give a shit because they're playing with other, they, they're playing with house money. I like, I like that. I like how, you don't actually have to know in the government. You actually don't have to know how much things cost <laughs> yeah. to make decisions. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't that be great if I could sit here as a CEO of the company and be like, Hey guys, we're just going to do this. Yeah. You know what? We're, we're not going to model it out. I want my I mortgage want- to identify as a student <laughs> loan because it's like, you know, I'd love to pay less. Like, it's, you know, why, why wouldn't I pay less? Like, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if business worked that way? Yeah. Hey, let's nice. just model it out. Let's well, just do it guys. Hey, you know, why, don't, why don't you just say, you know what? You don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> Just send send them less. Yeah, send them less. Be like, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to write off ten grand for like what I had spent on college. Like, I was blessed to have parents that were able to pay for my college. Like, I, I get it. I'm, I was very lucky that way. Like, I'm just going to take the write off though. Anyway, like, why shouldn't I get the same benefit? I mean, I went to college. Yeah, you should. Like, I paid for the insanity that's doing there, and I pay a lot in taxes. Or maybe like, we should send. Maybe I should send, and you should send. Both of us should send invoices to the G for the ten thousand dollars plus interest. Yes, because we actually. Uh, yeah, you're right. We should get some interest in it. I have a feeling that many of the eighty-seven thousand new armed IRS agents yeah. will show up at our door. 
I have a feeling they won't be politically aligned with us, I and I don't think so. we'll get the benefit of the debt. I don't think so. <laughs> Did you see that video of uh, was it, it was IRS, so bad? The IRS. Tra- it was so <laughs> bad. Video. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, dude. I can't even. I thought it was a joke. I can't even I, say what I'm thinking about some of this stuff because it's like I'll go to hell. But like I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm Jesus Christ. Like, but you know that's what's going to happen. Like I they're not going to find think, a guy that like you served with no. to be this agent. They're going to find a leftist. No. They're going to get you know the only people in the world they want to have guns. Like I'm, I love watching the left who spent the last five years like wanting to defund the police. They're like, no, no, no. We want the FBI and the you know and the you know IRS to have a lot of guns. Like they're the only people in America that can have guns. Like and that's totally great. Like let's defund the police, but let's fund the IRS and the FBI to the tune of like you know insane, like an insane, like it'll be the largest federal institute. Like people, you need. Like for at this point, with all of the benefits of the left, there's probably not 87,000 taxpayers left in America because everyone can, you know, it's, it's insane. It's, I, I really like the contradictions and the hypocrisy because there's no way you can actually follow the conversation. There's, the conversation with the national, (laughs) like, it's like talking to a fucking schizophrenic. I have questions. it's like, what do you mean you have questions? Like, I'm like, well, because none of it actually like makes sense. Like, it, it's, it's it, awesome. none of it adds up, and it doesn't have to. No, because they don't like. And that's the crazy thing. Like, we've we've created like the people who go into government are literally like the people that probably couldn't have made it anywhere else. It's like it's like Anthony Fauci. Yeah. Like, and like, there's not a not a place in the world where Anthony Fauci was ever the best doctor. No, what he was was the best bureaucrat. You know, he learned how to manipulate the system, probably snake anyone that was a good doctor. And we know that because we know what he said on TV and we've read his emails and the two are exactly the opposite. Like he was good at, you know, never met a camera he didn't love. Yep. You know, he would get out there, great hero. I'm like, well, what? Like he's been wrong since the 80s. Like look at the video, like the AIDS epidemic and his response. Like has he gotten one right? And like, and yet if, again, if you're the best bureaucrat, you will keep that job and you will rise to the top and you'll be the highest paid federal employment ever. And you can now- now retire in fear because you see the Republican. Well, I may not, you know, if they were, if they subpoena me, I may not show up. Well, that's weird. If like Steve Bannon didn't show up, the, you know, the FBI shows up at his house. Right. You know, Roger Stone had a, a SWAT team come up and arrest a 75 year old dude that like, I don't know. Fauci, no, we're not going to touch him. He can just not show up. He just, because we're playing up. by different rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I think like the only good thing of what's going on right now is it's so flagrant. It's so ridiculous that again, I think the people that are, that have been sitting on the sidelines sort of not really paying attention almost don't have a choice anymore. Yeah. And I think that's important. Like people have to have like this conversation. People have to, whether you're on our side or the other side, like we have to have some common sense anymore because like, I don't, it's just missing. Yeah. Common sense is, is what is it? Common sense is uncommon, it's right? That's, that's a Mark. Far from Twain. common. I think it's like a Mark Twain quote. So we got to switch up. We got to talk about where, where are you going next for hunting? Uh, well, you know, got, got, I just got back from, uh, Mongolia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went out there with my son, uh, and, uh, we, we sort of do an annual, like, you know, hunting trip, sort of living in a yurt, like, right. you know, land in Ulaanbaatar, drive 19 hours, like off road and like, you know, pretty much as far as Was you can get him. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, and, and well, Jason from field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, uh, it was, uh, that was awesome. Uh, this weekend, I'm just going to, were you guys hunting out there? We're like Argali and Ibex, you know, that kind of the stuff that's over there. And it just, you know, awesome kind of cool mountain hunting, incredible country. Like, how do you get your guns over there? Or the you, you can, no, you, I, I, you know me, like I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. so anal about my guns. Like I, yeah. I got to bring my own. Cause it's like, right. you never know. And those kind of things you travel that far. I was like, I want to know that it's, yeah. it's dialed and whatever. 
Uh, but no, you can do it. It's just, it, you know, every country is different. You know, there yeah. it's like you have to go through a permitting process and you have to do this. And, you, you know, you can only bring 30 rounds of ammo over gotcha. and stuff like that. That's, right, right. It's, it, but... But no, it's, it's it, it can be, it's not that complicated. It, oh, okay. it can be a pain in the ass. Honestly, it oftentimes depends on like where you fly through. Like right. even, even like you never want to go through like the UK with a gun. Right. It's like, right. like you sort of know there's places that it's like a little bit easier logistically, even if it's a longer flight, just to be right. like, okay, it's not going to be a problem if you do it this way. If you do it a different way, uh, it's a problem. But, you know, so that was awesome. Um, and, and just, you know, a great adventure. And like, I, I have to imagine basically as remote as, it, you know, you could ever be anywhere in this world right. at, at this point. Uh, you know, this weekend I'm going up to Oregon, mm-hmm. just a quick sort of, uh, Columbia whitetail. And it's sort of an interesting, like it is like yeah. a pocket of whitetail in there. And a buddy was going up to do a Roosevelt, elk, you know, bow hunt. He was like, Hey man, my, you know, my friend's up here. They got a tag for this. Like, it's kind of unique. You want to just come up and spend the weekend. Cause I've just, you know, right now going into midterms, it's sort of insane. So my schedule's nuts, yeah. but it's like, I'll, I, I'm the guy that'll, you know, I may do a hunt. I'll, if I draw a tag, I'll go, but I may be like, I got two days. And if I eat right. tag soup, that's fine. But I'm going to go and, you know, you know, do, do the adventure. Uh, have some sort of, you know, later season, uh, elk stuff. Um, yeah, where are you going elk hunting this year? Tag in Colorado. Okay. Uh, you know, so I'll, I'll go do that, um, you know, a little bit later, uh, in the fall and then sort of have a, have a late season, uh, mountain goat hunt up in Alaska, uh, which will be really cool. Uh, You know, buddy outfitter, uh, of mine up there that I've done, you know, a bunch of hunting with, uh, you know, at SCI, we, we auctioned off this hunt. Like you, you come with me and we raised a lot of money for conservation and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll, we'll do that hunt, like living on, you know, sort of fishing boat trawler for right, the week right. and like going, you know, off of base camps and hunting the glaciers up there, a late season mountain goat hunt. And, you know, maybe depending on what, what's going on with the weather, you know, maybe some sick deer. Um, you know, so yeah, no, I, I always keep pretty busy with that stuff. It's, what's it's your favorite great. hunt. All right, so my, my favorite stuff, like I like the ones that where you work for it. Like, right. you know, like, you know, drop me off in the Yukon with a backpack and rifle and like pick me up in 14 days, like chasing a sheep, you right. know, no base camp, living out of your pack, carrying everything that you want with you. Like it's honestly, it's more like endurance race mm-hmm. than it is even hunting. You know, you may see no legal sheep, you know, or, right. you know, in, in a 10 day type of hunt. It's not, uh, but like, I love that stuff. It's just, you know, such an awesome challenge and like, you know, good way to lose some weight, come out of there, you know, right. have 10, 14 days, literally I lose 15, right. 20 pounds. Cause you're just, you know, it's, it's, you're so far North. It's light till midnight. You're hunting 16, right. 17 hours straight, you know, like it's, it's just awesome. Archery or rifle. That stuff. I'm, I still do more rifle. I do a lot right. of archery sort of local, uh, especially cause of sort of just the, the way my time requirements work. It's like, I, you know, I do a lot of hunts and everyone's like, you're always hunting. It's like, yeah, but I like, I may only do it's like, I'll come in on, you know, Thursday night late and I'm on a red eye back to the office, yeah. you know, late Sunday night, like, you know, I'll, I'll go. And again, I'm totally comfortable eating tag soup. I've done that even with an archery home where it's like, I got two days to do an archery tag and I've actually right. pulled it off a couple of times. And like, but you know, if I'm going up that far, working that hard, it's like, I'm, you know, not a hundred percent there trying to do the, you know, and I've tried doing both where it's like, you know, bring, you know, strap the bow onto the pack with the rifle and just, no. You know, you, you, you know, then the opportunity, you're like, yep, rifle. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I'm not, and I do, I, I do a lot of archery hunting, but it, it ends up being a lot of like my local stuff. And, right. you know, I, I love doing, I probably, you know, I shoot bow all the time and just even, you know, go up to my you know mm-hmm. farm and, you know, hunt doe with a trad bow. And I, you know, that's just as much of a fun and challenge as, uh, as anything. So I do a lot of that, but like the travel stuff tends to probably lean more towards the rifle. Well, you know, the way that I look at it is like, people ask me this question it's like, you know, what do you like to hunt with? And I'm like, well, technically like I like to kill right where, you know, what I like to shoot is 
I like to shoot my trad bow because it's yeah. the hardest thing to shoot. Yeah. But uh, I'm not a great trad marksman mm-hmm. past, you know, like we were talking about 40 yards, right? Yeah. So um, by the way, most aren't. Most people aren't. And I like to, you know, get the animal on the ground. And yeah. I've been trying to really focus on how do I learn how to hunt, become a better hunter yeah. so I can close the gap and make sure that I'm always within, you know, that, that 20 yard yeah. uh, circle And rifle is, is, is just the easy button for me. Right. Yeah. So I go to the, I go well, but to also the where you live, it's also harder if you be a trad hunter, like, hard. you know, I, I, yeah. I've won my local, I don't, anytime I've competed in it, I haven't lost it. Like my local, you know, tread, you know, club championship sort of thing. Like, right. I, you know, I can shoot a tribal reasonably well for a guy that, you know, doesn't sit there and shoot hours a day, you know, w- with it. But like, if I lived out West, it's like, you know, your shots are just further, yeah. right? Like I, I can, you know, back home when I was living in New York or, you know, or Florida, if I'm pig hunting, like I can set up a tree stand, I can get there. I can usually get within 15 to 20 yards and that kind of hunting. Like out here, that's just a lot harder to do. You have to start shooting 40 yards and all of a sudden that's just an entirely different dynamic, 40 yards and honestly, and, and out. So it, it just depends what it is. So like, I wouldn't even think about like bringing the trad bow out here, even if I can, because I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not comfortable enough like being like, I'm always going to eat tag soup because I'm never, you know, yeah. I may get lucky one time. Like, and it's sort of refreshing actually. It's sort of like why like we started Field Ethos. Like even hunting has sort of gone woke, which is like, you know, I only hunt for the meat. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, Come on, you 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 know I've saved uh, the hoof to carve a chest piece out of like nah, like I like I, I like to hunt. I love yeah. the hunting. I, the meat is always used. It's great. I'm not going to tell you that I like elk more than I like steak. Like it's right. not true. It doesn't mean I don't like it. Doesn't mean I don't eat it. Doesn't mean I, you know, with as much as I do, like oftentimes I'll go to a place. It's like here's 400 bucks for processing. You you guys know a family that could use this? Sure, because like by the time I'm done, you know. Processing, shipping, you know, 400 pounds of elk meat back home. It's like, I could have had the finest steak in the world. And like, right. I'm not saving money by hunting, like, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, even even hunting in these days has sort of taken that like, well, you know, I'm apologetic and we got to justify everything. And like, so we started Field Ethos, which, you know, yeah. just to literally be like, hey, we got to have some humor these days. We got to be able to joke about these things. Like, you know, the guys that started representing hunting, I sort of felt were like, Dude, I've been in a lot of camps all over the world. Like, I've never met those people. It doesn't mean, you know, it's great to have outreach to different groups of hunting. I think I welcome that and everything like that. But it's like, they were like, that's what hunter is. Like, I don't know. Like, right. no one's speaking to the guys like me. And I feel like the guys like me are probably the vast majority. But so many, again, have been beaten into that. We must justify everything. And we must apologize for doing these things. And you can't like hunting. You're just doing it for the meat. I'm like, bullshit. Like, stop. Just, just stop. And it, it was just a shame to see that even happening in hunting. Like I, we started Field Ethos because it was literally, it was a uh, Jason, you know, former game yeah. warden, another buddy was a, you know, former SEAL sniper, another friend that was like, just all these different walks of life. And we were literally sitting there in a text thread, like talking shit about like the people who are supposedly representing hunters today. And it was like, someone was like, we got to like put this down for it because it's actually pretty funny. And yeah. it's like, it, this is like, this is the real campfire conversation that happens in hunting camp that, like no one's talking about anymore. And, you know, it sort of just took off because people were like, wow, we love the sort of unapologetic attitude. We love that you'll poke fun of these things. Like you don't have to sit there and just constantly justify what you're doing. Like you can just like doing it. Yeah. And that's okay. Well, it, I think that, you know, the the past several years where I've become more immersed into the hunting subculture, yeah. I didn't realize that there were so many different subcultures yeah. of hunters as well. So you you have like, 
the traditional that, you know, the trad guys that are like, mm-hmm. this is, you know, it's more spiritual or whatever it yeah. is that they're doing. And it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I'm well, like, hey, man, totally like, fine. You're going to use all the pieces of it. You're going to, you're going to do all that, that, that you're really into. You're going to yeah. pray over the animal or whatever it is that you do. Go, you do you. I'm, I'm totally fine with anything you want to do. It's, it's the social media image where you're representing the fact, like this is some kind of spiritual journey, but really you're just, yeah, you're just like doing it for likes, like yeah, follow XYZ yeah. company. Like, I, well, and beyond that, what I, what I sometimes had a bigger problem with, and I, I sort of figured it out was like, you know, the trad guys hate the compound guys. Yeah. The compound guys hate the crossbow guys. I'm like, yeah. Hey guys, like, how about this? Like we probably agree on like 99% of stuff. Like why don't like, we have enough enemies. Like we have enough like people that like Lots. hate hunting and like, they're not just going after like, you know, your AR-15. Like, you know, if you think that deer season isn't on the table further right, down the right, line right. for these guys, like they're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't need a hunt in Africa. I was like, well, listen, I, I you know, I could show you stats where, where I sort of made a name and, uh, you know, hunting was like someone leaked pictures of me in Africa hunting and there was outrage cycle and I was on the cover of every newspaper for like, they're right. poaching in, I'm like, poaching in Zimbabwe, like in the Matatsi, like, I'm like right. I don't think so, but, and you could show them, here's licenses, here's this, but like, they're so used to the other side is they're going to browbeat you into an a submission and an apology. And like, right. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. I sort of took the opposite approach. I was a guy from New York city. No one knew I even hunted. And it was like, no, here's the facts about conservation. Here's what hunting did in some of these markets. Look what happens in, you know, sub-Saharan Africa when they've shut down hunting, you know, poaching becomes rampant because all of a sudden, you know, the elephant that you in New York city may think is a beautiful, majestic creature. When a herd goes through and destroys a family's crop, that is their livelihood they're not going to take it so well. You know, when a lion is eating the cattle that they, guess what? Like they take the dead carcass, they pour a lie over it. They'll kill the whole pride. Like they don't look at it the way we do. And you, you know, Ivan Carter, sort of the great conservationist and hunter out there, like he had this saying, like you can't solve third world problems with first world solutions. Right. You know what I mean? And you've seen, you know, so much of that. They just don't understand how it actually works. And so I took that opposite approach, which was like, I just started fighting back with like facts. And it was like, ah, so I made a lot of friends in the hunting world that I would have never been like, thank you for just taking that approach. Cause we're so used to people just, you know, no different than sort of the Republicans that we were talking about, which is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like this, please don't, don't attack me. Leave me don't alone. Don't attack me. It's Western hubris yeah. where, you know, I worked in Botswana where we would, we were right. training uh, counter poaching guys mm-hmm. in Okavango. And you, you can't have a conversation with a portion of the United States about what's actually happening without yeah. them making these really drastic assumptions. Yeah, the, di- the Disney, the Disney model of wildlife, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. And so you just stop having a conversation after yeah. a while. It's like, hey, this is a majestic, you know, animal. I can't believe what It is until doing. it eats your and children. Like, like yeah, you know, exactly. I, I've been, you know, I, I've, I've come across like a foot, right? Like a human foot yeah, yeah. in Africa, like still attacking, because it's like, when you're walking from the village in a floodplain area. You got a five mile walk through the high grass. This was in the Kilimbaro up in Tanzania. Like, mm-hmm. like you get hit by a lion. Your family gets hit by a lion. All of a sudden, they may be majestic, but if they're not generating income from the hunters who are, you know, tipping them more than they would make in any, like, right. you know, in a two week hunt, they're getting more income than they would in a year of raising cattle or doing crops. Like people can't fathom that. They're like, oh, well, that's nonsense. It's like, it's fact. It's like if, if, if those animals have value to them that way, they'll preserve them. Mm-hmm. If they don't, They're it's gone. It, it's gone. Like, it's and, gone. and you know, it, it, you literally cannot, I've had, I've tried doing it. And I had friends that are, you know, sort of even like, why would you go? I was like, do you understand this? And it, like, even guys like that are probably more politically aligned with me, like that still 
couldn't because they're just, it's been so ingrained in our society. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Like again, you know, sort of the, the Disney, like animals have families model. Like it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You haven't spent enough time in nature if you think that it's a it's a nice and friendly place. Like it's it's you about as vicious as it gets. Yeah. Time in nature, if you zero. It's like yeah. I, I've had to explain that even from elk hunting because yeah. people people will talk about elk hunting and they're like, oh, it's just such a it's a beautiful animal. I'm like, it is. It's a it beautiful is. and it's very tasty. Yeah. You know, it's 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 incredible delicious. challenge and it's, it's fun and it's like. They'll break pieces of their antlers off in them and they'll die of sepsis. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. And then they're going to get their ass, you know, they're, they're going to be dragging their ass end if something happens. They're going to get eaten from the rear end yeah. from a coyote or a wolf or a bear or anything like this. And it's like, you guys need to watch more nature documentaries to see exactly what yeah. this is. Because what I do is typically, and, and every elk so far, knock on wood, yeah. it's one arrow. Yeah. They're dead in less than 10 minutes. They're, yeah, it's, it's a much better death probably it, than anything they'd ever be dealt or, in actual a, nature. Like yeah, nothing bullet. dies of old age in nature for the most part. Yeah, like, you, it's, you know. It's not, it's not as if it's yeah. some kind of cartoon character where people are just like living and they're singing and birds are <laughs> flying around their, yes. their antlers and their, and their friends with the bear, you know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. they're friends with the bear. The deer, the deer fawn <laughs> loves the bear. They're, I mean, who wouldn't yeah. love the grizzly on bear? Top of the bear yeah. when it's hybrid. They're cuddling it's like, and it's you like, guys are idiots. It's you think <laughs> there's no context. Yeah, to this nothing whatsoever. at all. It's like, yeah, no, it, 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 it's so juvenile. Their concept, they're like, well, I don't understand. Bear hunting is a whole other thing. Yeah. Or, well, yeah, no, it's like when you talk about bear hunting, and then people get well, bears, the cats, tunes. Yeah, like I mean, I, I, I do it. I literally, I could never post it. It's just like it. You, you can't even like. They're like, yeah, I'll be on the hunt. I'll go do my thing. But like, you don't even do. You, you don't even take a photo. Like, I it's purposely like, posted that uh, picture of of my brown bear like a week before we went public just as like a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I'm like, it's you're even explaining it to people. It's like, I can't believe you would do that. You know, that's, yeah. that's, te- that's, that's a teddy bear. And I'm like, you realize that that is, the, the, the bear that I killed out there is a 10 foot, four inch bear. It's a massive big, big bear. bear, massive bear. It was also eating cubs. Cubs. To, to, to put... Well, or, you know, eating the cubs to put the sow back in heat because yeah, he wants some action. Exactly. Like, this is like, how it works. And they're like, no way, that doesn't no happen. Way. I'm like, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. They, they're eating other bears and cubs. Like, the first time you see, a, you know, a, a big boar yeah. eat a couple cubs, let's come back to me after that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Then, then you can say, like, what I'm doing is, 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 you know, it's unethical. Like, watch them play with a cub carcass yeah. as it's a, a, a beach ball in yeah. front of the mother. Yeah. And then say, <laughs> that's, Oh, this that's is like, that's like foreplay piece. for yeah, the, you know what I mean? Play. Like, that's foreplay. Like, this is, you guys have no concept no. Or, or, or watch, you know, wolves chase a, a an elk, moose, a sheep, a, a moose, and just whatever it is. And eat it, eat it alive in the swamp. Eat it like, alive and tell me that a bullet you know, traveling yeah. X mile you know, at 3000 feet, 3, feet per second yeah, is yeah. like, yeah. Hitting it like a freight train and taking its heart out or its yeah. double lungs out like this is better than being 
chased down and eaten alive by a pack of dogs. Yes. No, it's not. It, yeah, no, it, 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 but that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's, it's like, yeah, I've, I've seen it. Like, I've seen the videos. I've like, watched I, it. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. It, it's, I, don't, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say beautiful. <laughs> it's about as gruesome as it it's gets. Gruesome. Like, yeah. It's gruesome. It's gruesome. We're just so think- far detached from that. You know what I mean? It's a... Uh, that's why I, I try to, you know, make sure I get my kids out there so they just yeah. get it. And I, I've had that issue. Like when we were still living in New York, it's like, you know, one of my sons, like, you know, he's hunted with me from like, he was the kid that like three years old, like dad, I take me unting. Like he couldn't right, even right. say the H, you know, yet. And he just wanted to go and he just sort of had whatever I had, you know, for that. And, you know, he had been with me all over the world at this point. At a very young age, right. I just sort of took the chance. You know, you got to, hunting's not the easiest thing to get into. You sort of yeah. need that mentor. So it's like, hey, you got to, you got to risk some of your own personal enjoyment uh, you know, to to make sure that's around for the next generation. And like, we came back after one thing and I was like, hey buddy, I'd got him a tag for something else. Right. And, you know, he'd gone back to school to New York. And I think he had a blast on this trip that we did, that annual summer trip. And like, he comes back and I was like, hey man, I got you, dad, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go hunting. Now he still loves shooting and everything. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what, what's going on? Like, and like, he started with like the Disney sound bites, like the teachers in school or the kids uh-huh. like, were br- like, he was all proud of like what he had done with me in the summer. And they're like, animals have families and he's like sitting there like getting like 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 they're literally indoctrinating him with this bullshit in these schools like you know i like i lost him for like a year of like he'd still go shooting with me all the time like but like and i was like i know like because he i just know what he had done and i know what he'd been able to like he went on some like real hunt like hunts that you wouldn't usually take like a seven eight nine year old on like because and and he was always a rock star and i'm sitting there being like you know what what the hell just happened now you know we moved to florida he gets around some normal people that they're not feeding him this bullshit. And he's like, Hey man, when are we, when are we going hunting again? I'm like, wait, what, right. what just happened? You know, but there was that whole like sort of peer pressure set, uh, just depending on where you were and then indoctrination of our children and it's going on everywhere. Yeah. And that's why we collectively, I think as hunters and you and I were talking about this concept last night where we could come up with the ultimate competition. That's yes. super fun that allows all of us to participate in a way where it's like, here's my trad bow. Here's my compound bow. Here's my competitive rifle shooters. Well, how do we put something together that encourages sportsmen of the future? So, you know, kids can come out and shoot their, you know, rimfire 22s. They can learn how to hunt because to your point, it's really fucking difficult to find a good hunting mentor. I mean, I, I'm able to do it because yeah, like, you, oh, yeah. you, you got buddies that are, yeah, yeah that are buddies. Yeah. Like, and I, I grew up hunting, but I had to come back to it later in life after being a, a tactician. I actually didn't understand how to hunt. I knew how yeah. to shoot. I didn't yes. know how to hunt. A lot of people don't make that distinction that are two very different worlds. You know what yes. I mean? Like, um, and no, it, it's really important. And it is hard. Like for me, I was sort of blessed. I think you know, my grandfather sort of got me into the woods, but he, you know, co- lived in communist Czechoslovakia. Took me there in the summers. So like, there's the woods. Like, couldn't hunt, couldn't do those things because you weren't, you know, the elite. He was a blue collar right. electrician, right? But like, that got me into it. And I was sort of blessed along the way to have a couple people and like pick me up and even teach me the basics or take me out. As I got a little bit older, I think, you know, candidly, my name probably got me in the door a lot of places. And they're like, then it's like, oh, he's not an asshole. Like, then you get invited back. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a lot of those opportunities, but like, I think, even our parents' generation, they did a really bad job with that. You know, hunting camp was for the guys and they're, you know, half of it was we're going to go have cigars and drink and we don't want to be right. bothered with the children. So I feel like we had like almost like it, probably less so out here in the West, but but it's still a problem where mm-hmm. you had this sort of education gap where like kids didn't get into it young enough. Then you try, by the time they were old enough to get into hunting, now everyone's a one sport specialist at the age of three and they just don't have the time for it. And 
So, you know, I, I think we do have to make like great, you know, effort to just, you know, get that next generation into it. Don't make it all about ourselves, you know, be that mentor. And like, for me now, when I, you know, taking a young kid out or someone that's new or, you know, a woman out or whatever it is, like, like I have as much fun, like getting them something that I ever do behind the trigger myself at this point. Oh, the same. Like I, I know that if I take my daughter's, my daughter's hunting, turkey hunting, yeah. I take them out all like, especially if we're in Texas over the winter, we'll put on night vision goggles and they're suppressed yeah. 22s and That's go great. out with lasers and hunt coyotes. Like I know it's, it's going to be more work. Yeah. Like if we're sitting in the blind, we're turkey hunting. You know, I know that she's going to be coloring in about 15 minutes, yeah. right? But <laughs> okay. she's, she's in the field. Like, yeah. We're, we're in the field together. One of well, my, you do that a lot with your employees. I mean, I, yeah. I hear all the stories about, hey, you gave up your tag to give it to XYZ right. person in the company and got them out on their, like, that's awesome. You got to like, like getting people out in the field and getting them like very active and then being able to not only carry on that tradition to the other people and then spreading it out through our peer group. Yeah. I, I, I talk to people all the time where I'm like, well, if I can't take my kids, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm out. Yeah. Like, or if it's my hunt, like I'm taking my wife, right? This is her yeah. first. That's great. Yeah. That sounds her, like a cool one. Her first elk season. And my wife's way into it. She's been, yeah. she just started shooting her bow a couple of years ago. She's, she's way into this. Well, now my daughters are going to be into this. Yeah. Like well, we, that, we, we do have to like, hunting. if you get mama bear into it, baby bear's going to get into yeah, it. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, that's the reality of like the world. And we get, that's another thing we did a lousy job of. I think actually archery yeah. has probably done a much better job of sort of nurturing, sort of, you know, getting women into the game. I think it's probably a little less intimidating than a gun. And like, you know, you, you've been the range is like, you know, the old stodgy dude at the gun range knows everything, but knows nothing. And like, you yeah. know, sort of everyone's talking down on you. They can't just teach you. Right. Like, you know, the culture like, needs a lot to be desired. They look like a, I, I, a lot of these guys in the gun ranges, they look like mall security, right? And, and they're like, <laughs> hey. know it all. Yeah. Like they, to your point, they, they know everything, but actually they know nothing. Yeah. They, you know, they look like, you know, uh, they're wearing like five eleven pants, and their their belt is like a yeah size 80, size seventy six yeah. waist. It's like eh, you're, you're really tactical. Well, let me let me show you what the best thing is here. You yeah. know, and you're like, dude, no. It, it, but I agree. I think with archery, it's gotten more people into the sport of hunting. I think you know Joe has done a great job. I think of beating the drum for archery yeah. for the last several years. Guys like Cam and guys like John, all these guys have yeah. done a fucking phenomenal job. I agree. And to your point. Archery is less intimidating. It's quiet. Yeah. It's, it's well, not, you can, you can do it in your backyard yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like I know guys live, live on, you know, you know, small lawns. They still have a, you know, a target up against their fence and you know, you're shooting in a residential neighborhood. It's a little harder to do with a rifle, you know, it's a, and you know, that was my back. I, and I do you know, a lot of archery as well, but like, you know, my background sort of was like competitive, like long range shooting and yeah. stuff like that. That's what I did. And it's, so it's even funny for me going to some of these places and it's like, you know, these guys that don't know anything about this stuff. And I've probably forgotten more about it than most. And it, but because of who I am, they're like, well, he doesn't know anything. He's just right. another one of these guys. That, it's like, uh, it, it's like if it turns me off, like it's definitely turning off a newbie that doesn't even have a base of knowledge you know, to begin with. It's, well, it, it, the, the, the range, like, that's the thing is like, I hardly ever go to ranges unless it's like ready gunner or yeah. these other places that yeah, I, really you're, love. I I go, I, I'm blessed to be able to go to like private places exactly. where I can do my thing and, and not have to deal with that. Unfortunately, right. shoot on my own property or, you know, I've taught my, all my kids how to shoot. They've got 22s or my, all my kids, I got two and I can do that. And I'm super fortunate. Just like you yeah. I can shoot my backyard with my bow. I can take my kids out and shoot their 22s. I can do all of that. But for the average person, you know, that 
is trying to, to have an introduction into hunting and firearms, yeah. like they have to kind of, they have to search around. They have to find the yeah. right place to, 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 to dovetail into this. And you have a bad first experience that sort of turns you off. And what's yeah. really interesting about it, like, you know, I used to do this and even younger, like, like I've never taken like you know, a woman to the range that wasn't like, and where I was from, like everyone was a skeptical, you know, yeah. a skeptic on guns. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, give me an hour. Right. What do you mean? It's like, you trust me enough to be like, show up for an hour. Like not one person like, that was awesome. Like, when are we doing that again? Like, if you take the time and do it right, you can turn like literally an anti-gunner into someone who's like, you know, they may never be buying, yeah. you know, but they're like, okay, I get it. Like they, you, you, in an hour, you could turn someone who's literally an enemy because they just didn't understand into like, not. Yes. And like, I, I've, I've done it so many times. Again, where I was from, everyone was against guns in New York City. It was like, okay, come on. Like, we're going to go shoot some pistol, shoot some rifle, we'll shoot an AR-15. Like, oh my God, are oh you gosh. sure? Like, I, you know, that can blow a hole this big into someone. I'm like, well, here's some facts. Like, you know, shoot some clays. Like, literally like, please, please can we do that again? Right. Like, it's just people that five minutes ago would have been like, you don't deserve, you, you, you don't have the right to have an AR-15. Why do you need a handgun? Why would you need anything? Like, now they're like, yeah, we got to do that again. I, I, I want to get a shotgun and do take it, some yeah. lessons. And like, it's, it's incredible, but you, you got to make the effort. Well, I think if we team up, not if, when we team up and we say, this is the competition where yeah. we lay out multiple different stages where we were talking about it last night till like midnight. Where <laughs> that was, it was yeah. awesome. Dude, I lost sleep about this one because yeah, I was like, I I, my brain was going, I was like, we can make this the coolest like invitational ever and then use it as a way to, you know, jumpstart the rest of that conversation. But yeah, it, that's going to be awesome. So we talked about this and we're, we're talking about, okay, this is an invitation only. And then we grow it out of what we're, what we're talking about is like 150 guys initially where we have different stages that are sponsored by different companies, but they're also emphasizing different skills. So we have, yeah. you know, the archery, we have PRS, we have pistol, and then we have different companies that are sponsoring different events. Then we'll have like yeah. these different tents for vendors with, you know, barbecue and a fucking concert and then a big purse prize. So. Yeah. yeah so you can we, win your discipline and still make yeah. it worthwhile. And you can, yeah. you can also have like, you know, be winning your discipline, but all of a sudden, like you're losing like the skeet shooting with a 410 handgun. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you're fucked. Just, just, yeah, we're just yeah. like yeah. the ultimate haze. The, uh, and then you switch it up. So you're like, okay, well you have the, you know, the PRS guys are killing it. Yeah. You know, long range PRS guys are just like thrashing everybody. And then they get to the tomahawk throwing station uh, yeah. and they miss <laughs> yeah, no, <they're, laughs> or, or they get to the skeet to your point. Like they get to the skeet station and then they're yeah. like, oh man, I can't do this or whatever it might yeah. be. You guys were talking about the campfire club. Was it campfire club? Yeah. Where you have all these different. Yeah. There's like a hundred, you know, 25 year old competition yeah. founded by Roosevelt, a club. Like that's where those guys went to go play. Right. You know, a long time ago. And that, you know, it, it was sort of the, this test every, you know, twice a year and it's 20 events, all sorts of, you know, five shotgun events, three rifle events, three pistol events, fly fishing, bait casting, canoes, you know, like get a log, a match, and a, you know, you got, you got to bring a thing into a, a water thing to a boil in a certain amount, of, you know. Right. So it tested like all those skills and these like these great outdoorsmen that sort of founded sort of, you know, the American, you know, conservation model. And we're right. like, you know, they did this stuff. For, I don't know. So it was like today it's probably a little different because, you know, you got to throw archery in there. You got to, you know, different kind of, 
that you wouldn't have like, why would you kill something with a bow like, 150 years ago? You wouldn't, you know, like, nah, that's yeah. not the best way to do it. It was right. a little different. Today you can, <clears throat> you can do that. But, you know, creating this event, sort of testing all around sort of, you know, outdoor skills and just making it, a, you know, one big party, I think would be like an awesome way to do it. Because again, everyone, even these, that become so specialized that like you could be the greatest in this and like not have any, like you guys, you know, we've, you've seen it like sort of, you put the guys that are, you know, great snipers, you put them on a ski range and all of a sudden it's like, suck. you know, one of the greatest shooters yeah, in the world is like, ah, it's, it's, like, they just fall apart. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's always, you know, it's always fun. So I, yeah, we'll have some fun putting that together. Like I'm really like that. It's like the one weekend I'm looking forward to next year. And I don't even know when it is. I, <laughs> I don't know when it is. I know that we're going to do it. You know, we, we kind of narrowed down. We're like, okay, we're going to do it in July. We don't exactly know where yeah. it's going to be or who we're going to invite, but we do know we're going to do it. Yes. And, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be Field Ethos, Black Rifle Coffee, all these different. Yeah, and all the guys that we know together. at this point, like they, they, what's, it, it, it is guys. a cool community once you get to a certain level. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's not one of the CEOs of these companies that like, be like, hey, come on, you're, you're, partic- you're, you're participating. We're going to make it cool. We'll come up with a good charitable component. We'll make sure, yeah. you know, you know, I watch them, you know, the guys, I shoot a lot with like a bunch of the top PRS guys. And it's like, you know, it, it's amazing because it's sort of, they, they're, they're traveling to maybe win like 1500 bucks. I'm like, yeah, but dude, like your weekend just cost you like three grand. And like, you know, it, it's, you're right. They're so dedicated to the sport and they're, it, 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 it's really cool to see. It'd be like, yeah. it'd be cool to have just like, even if there's some joking stuff, just to have like a, you know, a fuck you purse. Right. You know, in, in there be like, Hey, you come up to this one and you, and you win, like this is, this is going to be the biggest match yeah. of the year, even like even still. And then we're going to match it to a charity of your choice. And like, you know, I don't know. There's so much we can do with it just to have a, a blast. Well, it's 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 going to be amazing because you you know the Alpha Munitions guys, you know, both you and Eric both. It's funny because we, we talked about this a while ago where I, I walked into um, my my neighbor is Tom. He owns Alpha Munitions. I walked into the living room and he was talking to Eric yeah. on the phone about it was like diameters or whatever it was. Like my my brother's almost bigger. Like when I'm hunting and fishing, like my brother, like literally has a machine shop. He builds his own, like, you know, precision rifles. Like, you know, he, he, he's a nerd, uh, you know, in that stuff. And it's like, it's just what, you know, it's what we do at that world. So yeah, it's a, well, and all these guys are nerds. Like for yeah. me, I'm like, I'm a coffee nerd, but I'm a shooting nerd. Like I like precision. So yeah. things about weights and measures and time yeah. and all- temperatures and all these things. So this stuff is hyper interesting. And then as we start to put all these pieces together with guys like, you know, Field Ethos, Black Rifle Coffee mm-hmm. and Alpha Munitions and Leopold, we know is like 100% in or yeah. SIG. All these guys are going to be able to geek out on this and yeah. we're going to have a fucking ton of fun. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome, dude. I gotta get to you. I gotta get you to the airport. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, buddy. Good any, to be with you. Uh, you got any passing thoughts? You got any closing closing statements? No, man, that was cool. fun. I think you know. But I look forward. I, I, I'm actually really psyched about putting this thing together. So I imagine awesome. we'll have plenty to talk about again and doing doing this. But like, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Good to be out here. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!